Welcome to MAP, the bi-weekly market access podcast provided by Mars Market Access and Pricing Strategy, which is your healthcare consultancy in the German-speaking markets. Mars makes it as easy as possible for you to get your pharmaceutical, medtech or digital health product to the market and of course get the price it deserves. My name is Stefan Walzer, I'm the founder of Mars and a health economist by training and working in the fields of market access, reimbursement, pricing and health economics already since 2004. Additionally, I founded the consultancy P&N Pricing and Negotiations in Healthcare based in Toronto, Canada, which supports companies and individuals globally by coaching, simulations and training, especially on negotiations. This service is including our innovative virtual reality simulation program and is part of the Negotiation Lab. And now let's learn about the market access and reimbursement systems around the globe. Good. Thanks a lot, Arne. Arne Neveke, strategic communications expert, to join now our podcast discussion. Today, we are trying to, let's say, have the two um, components of an important com uh, combination of the commercialization, obviously, in that, let's say, in a, or let's say, in a path of a drug, uh, namely market access and public relations. But, uh, Arne, maybe before we start, Maybe if you could introduce yourself very briefly. Yeah, Stefan, thanks very much for the invitation and, and very happy to do so. So um, I'm a communications executive with a little more than 22 years experience, uh, mostly in biotech, biopharmaceutical bio industries, um, also some years in non-for-profit. And my background is originally scientific. Um, I have a PhD in biochemistry. I'm a chemist by training. Um, I was a journalist before I joined industry. And over those 22 years, I have done really all types of communications in, in leading roles from very early stages, um, R&D discovery, all the way through uh, to pre-launch, launch lifecycle management, and including obviously access, uh, value, pricing, a conversation, sometimes even controversy. So I'm based in the US in, in Boston, where I've been working for the past 10 years. My profile or experience is, is transatlantic. I've started my career in Germany, have then worked in France for 10 years, Belgium, before I came to the US in 2013. So coming up to 10 years in the US, um, which also means that I know both sides of the Atlantic and diversity of healthcare systems Uh, between countries pretty well, I think. That sounds like, let's say, the, the ideal kind of, uh, let's say, explanation why we have you in the podcast uh, today. Anne, maybe we take a bit of a step back because we have a lot of listeners, obviously, out of the market access reimbursement area. Not everybody's 100%, let's say, familiar when we speak about public relations. And in general, it's anyway, I think, quite broad term. So how would you define, let's say, public, public relations and or communications in the area of pharmaceuticals and medtech? Yeah, um, I think, to be honest, it's not the right term to begin with, public relations. Okay. Um, I always speak about communications or strategic Perfect. integrated communications. And what I mean by that, that it's really not just the public or general public, but all stakeholders along the way. And and you're right, it's very specific. So why is it specific? From my perspective, there are several things. Maybe to start with, it's about health. Um, and I guess that's probably the most important topic for people. Everyone pays attention 
when it's about health, staying healthy, become more healthy, treat disease. So it's really on the top of mind for, for people. Second point is it's, it's very complex and technical. It's about research and development, often at the forefront of, of science and innovation. Things may not be entirely clear at that point. There may be competing hypotheses, so there may be debate. Um, and that's obviously of, of interest uh, for, for any stakeholder. It involves really many, many stakeholders from bench scientists in the early stages all the way through to underwriters at a sick fund or health insurance company ultimately deciding about, about payment or, or reimbursement. It can take a very long time and is usually quite expensive to develop a new medicine or technology. So cost is always a hot topic. It's a business. There's profit and loss involved in competition. It's a high-risk, high-reward business, which means that greed is just around the corner of the noble mission. So there's always a balance, a tension, how you, how you really get the right balance between your mission and your commercial interest. Uh, however, the, the, the payment in that system is not direct, it's indirect. So payers and patients or the providers, the healthcare providers and the patients don't interact in, in, uh, directly. There is a role for payers in the public or private health systems. It's the same. It goes via insurances or cost-sharing systems, and the payers act between patients and healthcare providers. That brings huge complexity. Healthcare systems are not just medical. It may sound uh, like that, but they are not. They are also cultural and historic. So there's huge diversity from one country to another for reasons that may not be scientific or medical. And if you take all this together, it's probably the most complex topic or area for, for communications. And that brings many opportunities, but also many pitfalls. And it's certainly the most strictly regulated field of communications. I think that that shows already really, I think, the, the big complexity generally when we would think about, let's say, communications. You have mentioned, I think, two important components from my perspective. I think one is clearly the different and many different kind of stakeholders, I think, which is one component. The other one is, I think, also the, the life cycle. So the life cycle stage of um, or maybe where a company might as well be in. How would you deal with, with, let's say, not only the different stakeholders, but especially also maybe with the different stakeholders in the various life cycle stages? So meaning there might be the very early kind of stages, maybe still around the funding, and we might have the kind of uh, stages where, let's say, the, the research and development is really ongoing, right? You're basically waiting for the results that the hypothesis might be proven or not. And then you obviously have, make it very simple, right? Um, you obviously then have, let's say, the stage where a, a product could really be, let's say, commercialized, meaning the hypothesis was proven um, at, the end of the, and at the end of the day, the ingredient has basically been transformed into a product. So how, how would you, let's say, deal with those kind of differences in the life cycle and then also with the, with the different stakeholders? Is there maybe one or the other kind of stakeholders more, more important in the various life cycle stages? Or would you rather say, as you know, you could maybe think of, as you said it in the definition at the very early beginning, that let's say communication should probably always have, say, all of the stakeholders um, in mind. Yeah, that's a that's an excellent question, and I think they are all very important along the way. 
That said, their importance or the focus on the different stakeholders may vary depending on the stage you're in. Let's say investors, very early stage, and they tend to be seen as the only or most important stakeholder at that point in time. And that's that's probably true because if you don't have investors that buy into your value story at the beginning, there is no chance that you will develop anything that a payer could or would want to pay for. But, and that's, by the way, that's true for both public and private investors. And both want return on investment. So what does return on investment mean? From my perspective, it comes down to three very basic questions. Will patients actually need and want the new medicine or technology that you're developing? Will physicians prescribe it, second? And last but not least, will payers actually pay for it? These questions may feel very, very far away in early development. And, and the market is probably five, 10 years away at that point in time. But, and, and you, you can also have a long uh, on that long way, many things can go wrong. But if your investors have the feeling that the response to those questions are probably most likely or most certainly no, why would they invest? So these questions play an important role from the beginning. And with that, also the stakeholders, so the patients, the physicians. It's not just about validating your technology platform, which obviously for a startup is, is key. If you cannot validate your technic a technical platform or technology platform, you, you don't go anywhere. But if you validate a platform and you have nothing to bring to the market or to the payer in the end, there is no interest for the early stage stakeholder investor. And that balance and shifting focus goes with you along the value chain. So you need to look at all these stakeholders along the way, shifting focus, sure, but um, I think it could be a huge mistake to focus too much on one single group per stage and do this in a siloed way. And I currently look, at, at um, COVID-19, which is past or feels past, but um, it's interesting to see all the biotechs that are currently going bust because they probably jumped on the COVID-19 train way too late from a technical perspective, but they didn't look carefully at the actual market opportunity. The market is done, it's saturated. Um, there's literally no entry. And I think there are a ton of investors out there currently asking themselves some hard questions. <laughs> yes, I think it's an excellent uh, um, example there. Absolutely agree. Uh, maybe I, I, I would just add to what you said. I think um, communication is obviously a very kind of broad, uh, let's say area, right? And it's, I think, especially when we think about, let's say, any kind of social media activities where you know one could simply say internet never forgets, right? Uh, <laughs> just with that kind of simple, let's say, sentence or or let's say maybe even a kind of explanation, right? It could be quite clear as well that probably you you should always have all stakeholders in mind, right? Because I mean, you could have a great and nice communication, maybe in the direction of an investor or maybe later on to a physician, but ultimately that might be maybe a bit let's say, negatively seen or perceived by a payer, for example, later on. I think that probably, let's say, supports what you have just said beforehand, right? Yeah, no, I, I agree. And maybe just to go back to your sort of 
bit of a hypothesis the internet never forgets i i'm not so sure about that when <laughs> there's so much stuff out there even yeah. google cannot find everything so i think the sheer volume of information mm. may mean that there is something that actually is forgotten and you you don't find it but i think it's really more important what you said there is no primary secondary or or tertiary stakeholder the importance and influence may change and does change along the value chain and with that the focus of your communication um, changes but they are all important and they become increasingly payers become increasingly important toward the end but again if you miss the case of an actual value story and to demonstrate that a payer would pay for what you're developing um, there is need, no need to validate the technical platform or technical technological platform to start with and if you look at stakeholders themselves just there are three things i think that may be forgotten sometimes they 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 may still have their focus and preferred ways of accessing information but you mentioned internet and social media the next information is just one click away mm. if a physician wants to look up something it has become so easy so the compartmentalization of of stakeholders is increasingly going away if they want they find everything quite quickly and easily nowadays and sometimes they they go active for information that seems out of focus at several companies we have had regularly payers dialing into earnings calls where you would say oh that's only sell side and investor business no we had payers dialing in and wanting to listen to the ceo and cfo talking about all the financial figures to the investor base and last but not least stakeholders interact more and more they talk to each other and digital communication social media has made that so much easier than 10 or 20 years ago so they talk um physicians talk to payers payers talk to patients policy makers talk to uh, KOLs so they are interconnected and all that together i think is very clear that it would be a big mistake in strategic communications to approach this in a very siloed and sequential way it needs to be integrated yeah that makes a lot of sense absolutely so you you, you mentioned already the payers or let's say maybe even a bit in a broader term market access i mean i'm i am coming obviously from the market access funding reimbursement side i mean i have heard let's say colleagues uh, stating that I mean, maybe to be a bit provocative, right? Public relations or communication is basically payer relations. I think that's probably probably a bit too narrow, right? Um, yes. Again, I go back to my my initial <laughs> statement that I think it's way more than public relations. So it's really communications, which mm. by definition means that it is all stakeholders. And and I love my three questions. So will patients need and want the new medicine? Will physicians prescribe it and will payers pay for it? So you may not make it all the way through to the payer and the focus changes along the way. But again, if the response to the last question from the start is no, you may have only a very, very small or out-of-pocket market. That said, payers don't live in isolation. So 
patients have their needs and views. Some, some are extremely well organized and very vocal. They have groups, they have advocates, key opinion leaders, prescribers have their views and their interest. A treating physician has a huge interest in his or her patients getting better. Policymakers um, looking at public health or the healthcare system society at large have priorities that can influence access decisions. So that means that communications to all these stakeholders along the way is indirect payer communication that mm -hmm. becomes more and more important along the way. Exactly. No, I, I, I can only again uh, agree. Um, I, I want to maybe anyway take a step back and I think you said at the very early beginning, obviously not only your experience coming out of global and, and different, let's say, local uh, experiences and, and, and companies you have worked for, but I think you have also mentioned, for example, cultural differences. So could you again elude a bit more from the communication side again, um, how to, let's say, um, optimize, I would probably guess, uh, the communication strategy, especially when thinking about the global communication strategy versus then the implementation on a local level. And especially there, maybe the differences uh, potentially between the US versus various European countries. Good question. I mean, the, the biggest difference is that the US now is after Germany went through the AMNOC and now has also price regulations. The US is the, the only and the biggest market with uh, still more or less uh, free pricing. Mm -hmm. To be seen what Biden's IRA does to that, um, there's a lot of legal challenge right now. But overall, it's a the, the closest system to really a, a private market with, with free pricing. Um, and that means a different approach to your stakeholder interactions and different roles. The diversity comes, I think, from various angles. In market access, health technology assessment, and you know that better than I do, if you take three countries, you have three different approaches to determining value. What is the, 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 the parameters? Um, the criteria apply to quality of life, um, health economic outcomes research. What are the models to say this is value in return of that price and that's a fair price? That is very different between Germany, between the UK, between France and, and other countries. So companies looking at access in these countries, they need to deal with diversity in the approaches, technologies, and approaches, and with that, with the communications. Mm. But then there are also other areas, and that goes beyond market access. It goes more into cultural, and maybe vaccines are the best example to illustrate that um, because you deal with prevention and not with treatment, and people have a totally different approach to, to prevention. When you're not sick, your medical intervention doesn't bring you any relief or change. It takes away or reduces the risk of disease, but you don't actually feel it because you are not sick, which is very different from oncology or whatever severe disease. So people have a different approach. And that opens the door much more 
widely to other aspects like culture or history. And when you look at Europe, for instance, there's a lot of historic current controversies about vaccines. They're all different in different countries. The UK had huge controversies about MMR. Uh, Germany had huge controversies about hexavalent or Hep B vaccines from the perspective of sudden infant death. In France, it was multiple sclerosis. No medical reason whatsoever why these would be different from one country to another that are even neighbors. There's no medical or scientific reason for that. And another vaccine, for instance, HPV um, uh, vaccination to prevent cervical cancer, we have seen very different cultural or historic resistance. For instance, when you look at the US, why is the vaccination rate in HPV still 50% and not 90-95 like in the US, uh, like in the UK, sorry, because in the UK, you have a very active role of the health authorities. They learned a lot from MMR. They've been very active. They have been out there all the time and they've taken this on as their responsibility. In the US, it's a totally private market. There are recommendations, but then it's totally left to the companies and the physicians and the families. And in the US, the biggest hurdle has been more or less religious or discussions, whether or not that may engage early sex for young girls, which is not the case, but that was the biggest or has been the biggest issue in the US, has nothing to do with the medical and scientific rationale to prevent cervical cancer in, in girls or when they become women. Yeah, very, very good example. And I think uh, that that shows really, I think also the, the big kind of differences between the various countries and the importance obviously to keep that as well in mind when developing a strategy. Coming a bit more now towards the end, and obviously it might always be important, especially maybe for the startups and maybe, let's say, companies not fully equipped and staffed, especially now in the area of communications and or maybe market access. So what would be your key recommendations for a, I would say, an efficient or optimal public communications strategy for such companies towards launch? Excellent question. And you also you mentioned already the limited resources, and that is real for startups. I, I totally get it. And again, as I said, there is focus and focus changes. There's evolution. But I think the key point is really to start or to approach communication strategically, holistically from the start, even if you don't pay so much attention on the payers from the beginning because you have to pay more attention on the validation of your technological platform. You need to have that in mind and have that perspective and have an idea where you are headed with that. And then you can adjust along the way. But if you miss that at the beginning and, and start in a very siloed way, sequential, that is a much higher risk of failure because you may really forget important imp components that would have changed your approach along the way. So it's really the sexiest technology doesn't buy you much if you develop something that nobody needs or pays for in the end. So holistic view from the beginning with the ultimate outcome in mind is, is key. And then you can 
evolve and adjust along the way. And then the, when you come really close to launch, um, you really need to go all the way in. Be transparent on cost along the way and then go all in once you really approach the market. And interestingly, in the, in the last six months, I think we have really seen best practices and, and strong shift from the past. Um, in January, starting out with ESI, uh, uh, Alzheimer, and more recently, Sarepta gene therapy for Duchenne uh, muscular dystrophy and biomarine, most recently, gene therapy for hemophilia A. We are talking about one to three million price tag uh, per patient per year. And we have seen best practices, which I think really reflect strong lessons learned in communication. So be transparent with your price, not just the list price, but break it down to the actual prices payers and patients pay. What are the rebate, uh, the discounts in the different system and segments. So what does it come down to in terms of ultimate or actual price for payers and patients? Demonstrate a clear understanding of patient experience. Be credible in your appreciation of priorities and constraints of the healthcare system and the value that your medicine brings to that system. Show your math. Um, when you look at some of these press releases and the related peer-reviewed publication, and they disclose the the whole mechanics and rhythmics behind that, which is a huge level of, of transparency. And then last but not least, validate your approach. Who else believes in your value and in your story? Who trusts your math? Um, economists, patients, advocates, maybe even payers. We have seen examples of early agreements and buy-in from payers to validate the, the the value approach the company has taken. Yeah, I, I fully agree. I also just took a couple of notes. If you would have had a bit of more time as well with the more recent kind of example you have just as well just mentioned, because I think to me, it's, it's one thing. I think it's a transparency, what you have just mentioned. But I think the other thing is probably also the message towards the payers, but just saying, look, I mean, this is the product, that's the innovation, that's the number of patients this is the price, generally the price, but we're also open to find solutions for the different systems and the, for the different payers. I think that's also already a, a given kind of, let's say, message, obviously, towards the payers. And at the same time, I would even say it's already part, potentially, hopefully, for more kind of collaborative kind of negotiation style, also from the industry, maybe towards the payers. And hopefully, then, obviously, uh, it's also the reverse. And I think one of the examples you have, as well just mentioned, might be those kind of early agreements early maybe even contract agreements even before the official launch of a product and the, and the price agreement yeah totally uh, early agreements be open to tailored approaches that said and it's not to to protect or defend companies completely but sometimes healthcare systems are not very flexible to such approach health authorities also like to I wouldn't say bundle necessarily, but to link cost of different therapies. Um, and that may not always make it very easy for companies to be flexible in one area, but maybe not so much in another. So I think it's very important really to be open and take a holistic 
patient-centric, healthcare-system-centric approach in, in these um, discussions and approaches on, on both sides. Yeah, I no, fully agree. Perfect. Anne, I want to thank you for your time, for your insights. It was really good fun. And I think uh, I have also learned quite a lot, I think, from a couple of things you have already mentioned. And hopefully we can also implement that in the next couple of projects when we think more about a market access and a pricing this strategy, where I think there are really good examples now out there how to really include communications early and strategically. Thank you, Anne. Sounds good. Thank you. So great examples, especially towards the end when thinking about a clear and open communication, also towards the payer side when developing the kind of commercial strategy for pharmaceuticals, but also and obviously for medtech product. I think it's very important what Anna also just said. I think at the end of the day, everything is being driven by the unmet need. So why do really patients, payers, physicians need and need want maybe to have that product ultimately. And then everything needs to be obviously tailored quite clearly. Also from a cultural perspective, I think Anna brought up quite interesting kind of examples with the vaccinations across the different countries and the importances of the various aspects from there. I mean, communication in an early life cycle stage is quite clearly still further directed towards investors. We have also heard that, but ultimately investors would also want and need to know if maybe potentially payers would pay the price at the end of the day for the product, because only then they would potentially get the return on investment. The issue is obviously sometimes a bit the price and hence then also link to that the volume, meaning the overall revenues, because volume would also mean more patients, which would potentially sometimes make payers maybe a bit more nervous as to say, I think the other question is obviously how restrictive could payers, for example, be. But that's all already very detailed into the reimbursement systems of every country. Ultimately, what we have just seen now also in the last couple of few weeks and months, I think the communication from various companies towards their latest, highly innovative, some of those ATP products with a couple of millions of euros annual therapy costs have also been already openly communicated towards the world, not only to the investors, but there were various kind of press articles, for example, where also the CEO and CFOs of various companies have communicated that. I would also say towards physicians and also towards payers, because ultimately it's not only the payers who'd care about, for example, prices and the impact of those, but also physicians, as we have also heard a couple of times already, personally, why that product may be worth the price a company is charging for. So ultimately, I think it's very important what also Arne said at the end of the day, and it fits to a couple of other podcast episodes, what we had in the last couple of weeks and months is really thinking strategically and for sure think about the communication, not only the styles, but clearly the strategy itself, so the implementation itself from all different stakeholders. So always have all stakeholders in mind, even though that sometimes maybe one or the other stakeholder might have a bigger kind of impact in the short run. That was an episode of MAP, the market access podcast provided by Mars Market Access and Pricing Strategy, which is your healthcare consultancy in the German-speaking markets. MAP is available every second week with a new episode, so watch out. And in case you might have questions, 
contact me directly and or visit our website on www.marketaccess-pricingstrategy.de.